Um, essentially, he was uh, reincarnated into the wrong body, uh, so he ended up reincarnated into the womb of a pig, came out as a pigman monster. Just a heads up, these words and opinions are mine and my own, much like Gollum and the One Ring. We will attempt to keep most of this as spoiler-free as possible, but if you have any questions about the material in this podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to doublemoonletters at gmail.com. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Letters from a Double Moon. My name is Nahima, and thank you for your presence here tonight. So how have you all been? It's been two weeks since the last podcast, and essentially it's been a whole lot of me reading, and a whole lot of you living your life. (laughs) Well, I hope you've been doing alright. I think you'll be pleased to know I have switched games um, temporarily for the month. I took a little bit of a break from Zelda's Breath of the Wild, even though I probably should be playing it until a new one comes out but anyway so dreamlight valley was my little break and it is for those who um, are not aware of what it is it's basically just disney and you live as a disney character and you help disney characters like mickey mouse and merlin and whatnot um you kind of like it's like a farming sim slash house building sim slash I don't even know, honestly. It's just a wild ride, isn't it? (laughs) For those who have played, it's kind of addictive as well. And you get this little pet turtle that you can pet and it sends you love hearts. Anyway, um, okay, so what are we going to talk about today? So essentially, even though I could natter on about Dreamlight Valley and whatnot, and what I've been doing with my time in the last two weeks, I guess we can essentially just move on um, to the subject of today's podcast. So today's book is the first volume in a quadrangle, uh, in a series of four books. Um, I'm not sure what comes after Trilogy, but yeah, this one is, um, is essentially an epic. So it was written by Wu Chang'an, And I'm sure I'm going to be butchering my pronunciation of the author's name and the characters, but uh, it is what it is at the moment. Uh, Essentially, this one was translated by W.J.F. Jenner and is, yeah, it's a really seminal kind of uh, classic from Chinese literature. And it's essentially, yeah, 100 chapters of just pure madcap craziness that's just so delightful to read. So the book that we're going to talk about today is... Drumroll, please. Journey to the West, Volume 1. Let's hook the book for you, shall we? Okay, so Journey to the West. Where where to begin? Now, this 
Epic was written by, as I mentioned, Wu Chang'an. Essentially, this book was written in the 16th century and kind of follows a really long sort of epic, um, as I keep mentioning. It's essentially about, um, well, it starts off with this stone monkey that was, he's born out of a stone egg, essentially, and he goes on to terrorize heaven after kind of gaining a sort of attaining the way, which is like some kind of cultivation, um, which I guess to the modern eye would kind of just read like magic. It's not really magic, but it is, um, yeah, it's essentially just learning a way of, uh, sentience maybe, um, and, you know, becoming cognizant of the inner self but essentially after the stone monkey kind of wreaks havoc in heaven um he gets trapped underneath uh buddha's hand which turns into a mountain and he stays there for 500 years and during that time you know time passes many things happen people are born people die people just go on this whole cycle of life and death and time just goes by and then one day a priest who is the reincarnation, I think, of the golden cicada, who was a disciple, like an original disciple, I would say, of Buddha. He is called Sanzang, and he comes from, like, I guess, contemporary Chinese capital, um, and he has to find scriptures to read for a holy mass for the dead, because the emperor had promised that to... It's a bit of a long story, but essentially the emperor dies, goes to the underworld, and then promises a mass for the numerous undead who just kind of can't find their way to the reincar- to reincarnate. Um, and essentially after that, the, the king or the emperor wakes up. He, he says, oh, no, I need to read a mass for the dead. So he organizes it, and then they realize that they don't have powerful enough sutras. So they have to go all the way to the west, to India, uh, to the original birthplace of Buddhism uh, to find the big Buddha, the head honcho, and um, get from him the proper scriptures to read for this mass. So he nominates Sanzang, and Sanzang goes on his way until he comes across the handsome monkey king who's trapped underneath this mountain. Um, he's the first disciple freed. Then they continue on until they find another disciple who was converted to the way of Buddhism. He's the pig. Um, essentially he was, uh, reincarnated into the wrong body. Uh, so he ended up reincarnated into the womb of a pig, came out as a pig man monster. And then finally they find Friar Sand, who is a sand monster. Uh, I guess you could infer from that. Uh, he lives in the water, um, and is a cannibal. So he's kind of, you know, really hardcore, but he does convert to the way of Buddhism as well. So they all kind of vow to live a vegetarian, a holy, a pious life. Um, and even though it's a little bit hard for them, especially pig sometimes, they definitely stick to their guns and they accompany Sanzang and his horse who got eaten by a dragon and then the dragon got turned into a horse. Um, they accompany him to the West. So the first book is really, really, like, the first beginning chapters are just kind of world-building, so they kind of just go along, kind of explain how each, um, 
you know, how the world came to be and how the monkey came to be and then how he attained the way and he travelled from his cave of the fruit and flower mountain on the continent of Aulai. He journeyed to all over the world until he cultivated his conduct and learnt the way. Um, and then he it kind of continues on to say that he waged war against heaven because they weren't treating him or according him with the proper respect um, and giving him the title, which was Great Sage Equaling Heaven, which, of course, Heaven wasn't happy about. Um, and then, essentially, it just keeps going on um, until we find we meet Sanzang. He is an, well, apparently an orphan because he was uh, washed away into a river and then found by monks at a monastery. Um, but, essentially, yeah, we kind of see him grow through his, um, through his life until he attains... He's probably about 30 or something when he sets off. Uh, he's a grown man when he sets off for the West. And he's quite uh, an accomplished um, priest at that point. And essentially, <laughs> the journey is really fraught with danger because there's so many demons that kind of get drawn to Sanzang, thinking, oh, this is a holy man. He's going to be really tasty. Let's eat him. Let's boil him up. Let's fry him. Let's mince him. Let's do whatever we want with him. Um... Then each and every time, monkey, and then pig, and then friar sand as well, they all come and save the day. Each and every time. Now, what's really interesting about Journey to the West is that... it I don't know why, but I find it so humorous. So, you know, full of just moments that are just so delightfully funny. Um, it might not necessarily have been written to with that kind of intention but there's just so many aspects to this book that like whether it be quotes or dialogue from the characters or um events that happen there just seems to be like quite a lot of farce happening throughout the book and i feel like it's a little bit like akutagawa's kappa um in a way if you could compare it to something else it's kind of a bit of a uh a satirical poke at society um but it definitely just brings this sort of really humorous mirth to to the story and i don't know if it's if it's wjf jenna's translation i don't know if it's wu chang'an's original story but yeah it just there's just so many aspects of it that are really humorous and that's what i really love about it is that it doesn't really take itself too seriously and of course, yes, the serious moments, like the bodhisattva Guan Yin, who is very prominent in this story, especially in the beginning, because she's always coming to help Monkey, who's encountering demons and villains that are maybe a bit too powerful for him at, in his beginning stages. Um, yeah, there's just, there's some seriousness and there's reverence and there's, you know, um, proper worship, I guess, of the deities when, when the time comes. But there's also just really hilarious moments, especially with Pig. I would say that Pig is, or his name is Zubaje, or Zubuneng. Um, he is essentially very, he embodies like the, all the gluttony and the lusts that human humanity kind of generates. And it, it's embodied in his character. And it's very much, um, 
like you can tell he's trying so hard to be pious but then like when there's all these beautiful women who come and try to seduce him because they they want to get to the priest or like they could be evil demons wanting to eat them all up um he's very tempted but then it just turns like eventually he just kind of brushes off the temptation after a while and he slowly slowly makes his way to to enlightenment once more so even though sometimes there's moments where he's just like oh no but i really want to eat lots of food and i really want to uh enchant this pretty lady with my handsome face (laughs) like even though he's the ugliest brute ever um yeah it's very much he's kind of embodies i think that that struggle between temptation and piety so like of course monkey he's there he's the invincible he's the strongest he's the elder brother i guess of out of the three and then there's friar sand or sandy as he's also known some in some translations or even Zhao Wu Jing is his buddhist name um he kind of is there as like the he's like the calm uh youngest child that kind of just when he comes into a room he kind of calms the atmosphere down and if there's a fight between monkey and pig or monkey and sanzang or something he's there to kind of just be like a calming presence yeah so each of the characters it's sanzang um sun wukong who's the handsome monkey um pig and friar sand they all have their own distinct personalities which is yeah, it makes for a kind of a rollicking read, and when you kind of you really want Monkey to save the day because you know that the priest is he's needed to get these scriptures, you kind of really feel like um, you know he's got these other two to back him up. Um, one thing that was really interesting about the translation is that it's the book is kind of. Um, yeah split into 25 chapters each book is about 500 pages long so it is a bit of a hard read i think it took me about two years to actually read the first time um you know all in one go because what i what i have is is an unabridged version the abridged one you can find basically at any bookstore it's um who who was the translator anthony cu i think translated the most recent one wjf jenner i believe translated this probably around the 70s 1970s so it's quite an old version whereas Anthony C uses the more modern one um I remember I the first time that I read Journey to the West was Anthony CU book and it was really well written um I really enjoyed the the challenge I guess and you can kind of feel that challenge that the author would have relished to translate such a seminal Chinese classic um yeah there's what other aspects of this are interesting like there's a lot of mythology in journey to the west so it's essentially it was written back in the ming dynasty um, and it is based on traditional folk tales as i'm reading here on the blurb so there's a lot of like there's a lot of poetry in the book as well so if you're really not a huge fan of the blending of prose and poetry i would still encourage you to read it but it just might be a little bit jarring and I guess you're not really obligated to read in any particular fashion you can always just skip the poems if you really need to like I'm gonna be a bit blunt here I'm gonna be a bit candid I'm gonna say that I definitely have skipped some of the poems I tend to find them pretty uh superfluous sometimes because they echo what is happening in the action in the book so say 
uh, Sun Wukong is having an epic battle with, um, you know, the the heavenly army when they first try to subdue him because he's really causing havoc. Um, they they talk about it. They wax lyrical very heavily about it in poems as well as the accompanying actions. So, yeah, it's kind of um, interesting that they incorporated these poems all through the book. There's many. Um, oh, one particular aspect that I really enjoyed and I always tell people about when I first introduced them to Journey to the West is that there's also a rap battle uh, in the book. I mean, it's not really rap as we, modern rap as we know it, but it's definitely um, like a poetry song kind of off. And essentially there's two characters, there's a woodcutter and there's a fisherman and they kind of, I guess they're filler because it's kind of like a little interlude to um, the next kind of part of the story where the fish kind of come out of the sea and see that there's, um, you know, a fisherman coming for them. They get freaked out, they go to the Dragon King, and then the story kind of continues from there. Um, but essentially with this one, the poetry song of the rap battle, they just spend the whole time kind of telling each other how li- how life is good for them and and how good it is to be like a fisherman, say, or how much better it is to be a woodcutter. Um, and it just keeps going on and on and on. And, or a lumberjack, I suppose you could say, the woodcutter. Um, but yeah, it's hilarious uh, for me. And I kind of encourage people to kind of just, yeah, take in mind that when you read Jenny to the West, it might be like, it might have a satirical edge to it, but it's also very much rich and full of diverse lore, diverse characters, and it, they all are very much real in a way and very much reflect, um, you know, human society and a longing for, you know, enlightenment beyond all the trials and tribulation that life can provide. So I guess my favourite aspects of the book are not only, yes, that rap battle um, and maybe the story... Uh, that you kind of it ends on a cliffhanger the first book so you kind of have to it tells you right at the end oh if you want to know what happens next read on to the next chapter but you're already at the end of the book so you kind of have to pull out volume two real real quick like to know what happens because it happens halfway through a battle but I found that story that arc to be quite interesting it was um yeah like right at the end of the book so they end up going to a Taoist temple um that uh grows man fruit it's a kind of fruit that gives you immortality or like very 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 long life and um if not immortality just like a super long life and the monks offer it to sunzang as a good gesture of goodwill but then they kind of just he backs off and says hey that's babies fetuses I don't know what made him think that maybe the shape of the fruit kind of reflected that sort of um, aspect. But he's like, I'm not eating that. That's human flesh. Don't give that to me. Why are you giving it to me? So the two disciples, they're a bit miffed, but they go into their room and they're like, well, we can't really just put the fruit away. We've got to eat them because otherwise they get hard and inedible. Um, and so after that, the... The monkey, pig, and friar sand, they they hear the about these man fruit and they go, Oh, well, how about we get some? So then they go into the garden and monkey realizes that after knocking one off the tree, um, it just melts into the earth and disappears. And then they realize 
that they have to be a bit more careful with after I think a god of the area explains to them how to pick them they kind of realize that they have to be a bit more careful with the way that they pick them so they pick them in the manner that is prescribed um which is like with a gold rod and then like a certain um like a special bowl underneath um and they pick them and eat them and then they feel really good about themselves so they've just eaten these man fruit and then the tower's disciples discover that out of the 30 fruit that took uh, many, many years to grow. I think it's like 30,000 years to grow 30. Because um, it's 10,000 years between each stage of the plant cycle. Um, yeah, essentially they... Uh, they get really angry. And they say, you know, you've eaten enough fruit, you're going to have to pay. So then the the monks all flee because they're like, oh, oh we did a bad thing. Whoops. And, um, and then they um, they go and escape. And then the Taoist monk, who's like the head monk of that temple, comes and says what happened. And the kids, the young disciples anyway, they relay the story. Um, and then it kind of just ends up with this back and forward battle where the monkey kind of keeps finding clever ways to escape. And then they keep getting captured again because the the head Taoist is like an immortal obviously because he's had some of this man fruit too um and he kind of scoops them up in his sleeve um brings them back each and every time and then the story just kind of finishes on this big cliffhanger not knowing if they're going to be bitten to death or if they're going to continue on their journey I mean if you take into account that there are four books uh yes they continue on their journey but you just don't know how they get out of it so yeah it's one of my one of my favorite aspects are just kind of the actually each of the books when they they I think each of them end on a cliffhanger except of course the last one which is the conclusion of the story but yeah it's essentially just just so um just so funny (laughs) I love Journey to the West honestly it's yeah it as I mentioned before maybe even the last podcast it is definitely one of my favorite books that I've ever read but now we'll come to the aspect of the podcast where you'll indulge me a little while I say a thank you letter to the author of this uh, episode's book. So I will begin in a moment and if you could all just take some time to reflect as well yourself, we can kind of do this together. Dear Wu Chang'an, can we start by saying thank you? I really don't know where to begin. I think when I first picked up an abridged translation of Journey to the West all those years ago, I wasn't quite prepared for all that wonderful lore and mythology that I found in you and your words. The characters and the places seemed so far removed from my little corner of the world, from my time and place. But within this story, I began to see deeper and found my love for reading and literature again. Sure, it's hard when the only unabridged version took two years to read, but it was so perfectly worth it. I thank you from another place and another time, and I believe that this story will continue on long after me and my time. Thank you for all that you've written. It is a cherished work that has been used over and over again, and I think for the rest of eternity. Thank you. With an ever-loving heart, Nahima.
Okay, so the book that we have been talking about this episode is Journey to the West by Wu Chang'an, translated by W.J.F. Jenner. It talks about um, a journey, an epic journey, from many, many, many miles away from its original place, and accompanies four characters, Priest Sun Zhang, Sun Wukong, Zhu Baijie, and Zhu Sha Wujing on their long journey to get some scriptures just for a mass. If you enjoyed today's episode, send us an email at doublemoonletters at gmail.com or leave a rating. It would be greatly appreciated. Now the next episode is going to centre around a book that I've not yet read, so it's quite a short book looking at it, um, and essentially I will give you my opinions as I first form them, which is going to be interesting because I think all the other ones we've looked at I've read many, many times. So this one's going to be interesting. That's me for this episode, listeners. I hope you enjoyed my contribution to the world of lit podcasting. Until we read again, stay safe out there, wherever you might find yourself.